It's tradition. But that's not for a while. And I'm not there yet. Can you believe I used to share this with people when I was a dumb freshman and thought I'd pull the sword right from the stone? Now I keep things to myself. I edit and develop in my own mind. If someone wanted to know about it, I figure they'd ask. But I have a shaved head and a face that appears mean in repose, and I'm quick to anger, which is something I got from my dad, which helps me out in wrestling, but not in interpersonal communications. I took a class on that, too. I don't get ahead of myself now. It's something I've been working on. But I still think about the arena, the mats, the pedestal. I can't help it. I have ecstatic visions of climbing down into the basement. I think about them when I'm riding in the team van, when I fold my laundry, when I tear off my scabs, when I take a shit, when I'm sitting through a lecture in an overheated classroom, pretending I'm looking down at my notebook, but really have my eyes closed in a low-level doze of distant concentration. I'm thinking about them right now. One day... Everybody will know who I am. Why, if I pull this off, they could tell my story in the New York Times. Whenever I'm not thinking about them, I think about how to get them. Ideas are just neurons in your brain squirting chemicals at other neurons. Do you have dreams of arm bars and front headlocks? The special squeaks and thumps heard in practice, which is the sound of your own flesh's wet exertion? Have you looked for a long moment at a splotch of sweat on the mat and decided to lick it up only because it came from inside you? Do you practice your stances, hobbling around like a Quasimodo by yourself until your knees lock up? Do you think of hair as a vanity? Do you fucking distract yourself with a 500-page Barron's SAT vocabulary book guaranteed to boost your verbal score 100 points on test day? But... As I said, it's important not to get ahead of oneself, and so I grip down on my bench in the locker room and screw my eyes to my surroundings, because life is only the present. The red lockers and the two dozen guys in here, the coaches standing around with their arms folded, that's the present. The red walls, the bench sticking to my skin, that's the present. The fifty years of dead and alive men that have been in this locker room, they're the past. They each had a moment to matter, but they don't anymore. What matters is that smell of a bunch of derma oxidizing, that smell like a line of wet aluminum bleachers. That's also the present. Stephen gets an extra piece of chicken at dinner for breaking that kid's arm. Coach Hargraves is a nice man, but I don't listen to him. The year my coach told me to envision the perfect match and then strive to materialize it. I lost more matches than any other year. Now I conserve the energy I'd use listening, save it for myself, while in front of me Hargraves' glottal hum hits around my ears and my brain skitters down. Simple-minded thoughts stand up in my head like flowers, like individual top-heavy sunflowers that bow and slump over when they can no longer take the weight. Next to Hargraves are the assistants, Eric, 
Fink, Whiting, Pharaoh, and Lee. I don't really distinguish between them until one occasionally separates from the others. They stand in a line in their white shirts with the little red George Washington head on their breasts. President's assistant coach. Can anyone imagine them going home to their children, having private hopes, crying at classical music? I can't. Florida. Hmm? I just said any words of encouragement for the young guys? I shake my head, shrug, keep shaking my head. On the big chalkboard, Coach made us write all our classes down. I don't know why. One of the coaches, I don't know which one, gave us all cassette tapes with mood sounds we're meant to listen to in our sleep.